Section sixty five of London Labour and the London Poor by Henry Mayhew, Volume One. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Peter Yearsley. The Street Folk, Part sixty five. Of the Haberdashery Swag Shops. By this name, the street sellers have long distinguished the warehouses, or rather shops, where they purchase their goods. The term swag, or swack, or swag, is, as was before stated, a Scotch word meaning a large collection, a lot. The haberdashery, however, supplied by these establishments, is of a very miscellaneous character, which perhaps can best be shown by describing a haberdashery swag, to which a street seller who made his purchases there conducted me, and which, he informed me, was one of the most frequented by his fraternity, if not the most frequented, in the metropolis. The window was neither dingy nor, as my companion expressed it, gay. It was in size, as well as in dressing or show, for I heard the arrangement of the window goods called by both those names by street people, halfway between the quiet plainness of a really wholesale warehouse and the gorgeousness of a retail drapery concern, when a tremendous sacrifice befalls the public. Not a quarter of an inch of space was lost and the announcement and prices were written, many of them in a bungling schoolboy-like hand, while others were the work of a professional ticket-writer, and show the eagerness of so many of this class of trade to obtain custom. In one corner was this announcement, to bootmakers, boot fronts cut to any size or quality. There was neither boot nor shoe visible, but how a boot front can be cut to any quality is beyond my trade knowledge. Half hidden and read through laces was another announcement, sufficiently odd, in a window decorated with a variety of combustible commodities, hawkers supplied with fuses cheaper than any house in London. On the ledge, or the part shelving from the bottom of the window, within the shop, were paper boxes of steel purses with the price marked so loosely as to leave it an open question whether one shilling no pence three farthings, or tenpence three farthings, was the cost. There was also a good store of silk purses, marked tuppence halfpenny, bright-coloured ribbons in a paper box, and done up in small rolls, a penny halfpenny, cotton reels four a penny, worsted balls three a penny, girls' nightcaps a penny three farthings women's caps from twopence three farthings to sevenpence three farthings note the three farthings was always in small indistinct characters but it was a very favourite adjunct End note. diamond patent mixed pins london and birmingham one penny an ounce my companion directed my attention to the little packets of pins they're well done up sir as you can see and in very good and thick and strong pink papers with ornamental printers borders and plenty of paper for three ounces the papers weighed with the pins and the price is a penny an ounce so the paper fetches one shilling and fourpence a pound there were also many papers of combs and one tied outside the packet as a specimen without a price marked upon them the price varies sir said my guide and informant and i heard the same account from others it varies from a penny a pair to such as me up to sixpence or perhaps a shilling to a servant-maid what looks innocent 
from what appeared to be slender rods fitted higher up to the breadth of the window depended black lace handkerchiefs fourpence three farthings and cap fronts some being a round wreath of gauze ornamented with light rose-coloured artificial flowers and marked only fivepence halfpenny together with lace or edgings which hung in festoons and filled every vacancy higher up were braces marked fivepence and more lace and to the back of all was a sort of screen for it shuts out all view of the inside of the shop of big-figured shawls the figures in purple orange and crimson and of silk handkerchiefs they're regular duffers i was told and very tidy duffers too very for it's a respectable house in the centre of the window ledge was a handsome wreath of artificial flowers marked tuppence halfpenny if a young woman was to go in to buy it at tuppence halfpenny i've seen it myself sir said the street seller she's told that the ticket has got out of its place for it belonged to the lace beneath but as she'd made a mistake without thinking of the value the flowers was one shilling and sixpence to her though they was cheap at two shillings and sixpence from this account it will be seen that the swag or wholesale haberdashers are now very general traders and that they trade retail as well as wholesale twenty or twenty-five years ago i am informed the greater part of these establishments were really haberdashery swags but so fierce became the competition in the trade so keen the desire to do business that gradually and more especially within these four or five years they became all kinds of swags a highly respectable draper told me that he never could thoroughly understand where hosiery haberdashery or drapery began or ended for hosiers now were always glovers and often shirt-makers haberdashers were always hosiers at the least and drapers were everything so that the change in the character of the shops from which the street sellers of textile fabrics procure their supplies is but in accordance with the change in the general drapery trade the literal meaning of the word haberdashery is unknown to etymologists there are now about fifty haberdashery swags resorted to by street sellers but only a fifth part of them make the trade to street sellers a principle while none make it a sole feature of their business in the enumeration of the fifty haberdashery swags five are large and handsome shops carried on by cutting drapers some of these one in the borough especially do not serve the street sellers except at certain hours generally from four to six there is another description of shops from which a class of street traders derive their supplies of stock these are the print brokers who sell gown pieces to the hawkers or street traders only about a dozen of such shops and those principally in the borough and in wormwood street bishopsgate are frequented by the london street sellers one man showed me a draper's shop at which hawkers were supplied but without an announcement of such a thing as it might affect the character of the concern for gentility the gown pieces were rolled loosely together and to each was attached a ticket two shillings and elevenpence or three shillings and elevenpence with intermediate prices but those here mentioned were the most frequent the elevenpence was in pencil so that it could be altered at any time without the expense of a new ticket being incurred that one marked two shillings and elevenpence said the street seller would be charged to me two shillings and tuppence and the three shillings and elevenpence in the same way three shillings and tuppence or i might get it at three shillings 
if those gown pieces don't take and they are almost as thin as silver paper they'll be marked down to two shillings and tuppence and three shillings and tuppence just by degrees as you see them shown in the window the regular print brokers make no display in their windows or premises the duffers and lumpers are supplied almost entirely at one shop in the east end the proprietor has the sham or inferior silk handkerchiefs manufactured for the purpose and for the supply of his other silk goods he purchases any silk miscoloured in the dyeing or faded from time a faded lavender one of his customers told me he'll get dyed black and made to look quite new and fresh sometimes it's good silk but it's mostly very dicky this tradesman is also a retailer such things as braces and garters are sold to the street people at the general as well as the haberdashery swag shops and are more frequently sold wholesale than other goods indeed the general swag shop keepers sell them by no other way but the wholesale haberdashers will sell a single pair though not of course at wholesale price some houses again supply the more petty street sellers solely with such articles as are known in manchester by the name of small wear including thread cotton tapes laces and so on of hawkers peddlers and petty chapmen the machinery for the distribution of commodities has in this and in all other progressive countries necessarily undergone many changes but whether these changes have been beneficial to the community or not this is not the place for me to inquire all i have to do here is to set forth the order of such changes and to show the position that the hawker and peddler formerly occupied in the state the distributor of the produce of the country is necessarily a kind of go-between or middleman introduced for the convenience of bringing together the producer and consumer the seller and the buyer of commodities the producer of a particular commodity being generally distinct from the consumer it follows that either the commodity must be carried to the consumer or the consumer go to the commodity to save time and trouble to both parties it seems to have been originally arranged that producer and consumer should meet periodically at appointed places such periodical meetings of buyers and sellers still exist in this and many other countries and are termed either fairs or markets according as they are held at long or short intervals the fair being generally an annual meeting and the market a weekly one in the olden time the peculiar characteristic of these commercial congregations was that the producer and consumer came into immediate contact without the intervention of any middleman the fair or market seemed to be a compromise between the two as to the inconvenience of either finding the other when wanted the producer brought his goods so to speak halfway to the consumer while the consumer travelled halfway to the goods there would be a great waste of time and trouble says stuart mill and an inconvenience often amounting to impracticability if consumers could only obtain the article they want by treating directly with the producers both producers and consumers are too much scattered and the latter often at too great a distance from the former to diminish this loss of time and labour continues mr mill the contrivance of fairs and markets was early had recourse to where consumers and producers might periodically meet without any intermediate agency and this plan still answers tolerably well for many articles especially agricultural produce agriculturists having at some seasons a certain quantity of spare time on their hands 
but even in this case attendance is often very troublesome and inconvenient to buyers who have other occupations and do not live in the immediate vicinity while for all articles the production of which requires continuous attention from the producers these periodical markets must be held at such considerable intervals and the wants of the consumers must either be provided for so long beforehand or must remain so long unsupplied that even before the resources of society permitted the establishment of shops the supply of those wants fell universally into the hands of itinerant dealers the peddlers who might appear once a month being preferred to the fair which only returned once a year in country districts remote from towns or large villages the vocation of the peddler is not yet wholly superseded but a dealer who has a fixed abode and fixed customers continues mr mill is so much more to be depended on that customers prefer resorting to him if he is conveniently accessible and dealers therefore find their advantage in establishing themselves in every locality where there are sufficient consumers near at hand to afford them remuneration thus we see that the peddler was the original distributor of the produce of the country the primitive middleman as well as the prime mover in extending the markets of particular localities or for particular commodities he was as it were the first free trader increasing the facilities for the interchange of commodities without regard to market dues or tolls and carrying the natural advantages of particular districts to remote and less favoured places thus enabling each locality to produce that special commodity for which it had the greatest natural convenience and exchanging it for the peculiar produce of other parts now this extension of the markets necessarily involved some machinery for the conveyance of the goods from one district to another hence the peddler was not only the original merchant but the primitive carrier to whom perhaps we owe both our turnpike roads and railways for since the peculiar characteristic of the peddler was the carrying the produce to the consumer rather than troubling the consumer to go after the produce of course it soon became necessary as the practice increased and increased quantities of goods had to be conveyed from one part of the country to another that increased facilities of transit should be effected the first change was from the pack man to the pack horse for the former a footway alone was required while the latter necessitated the formation of some kind of a road some of these ancient pack-horse roads existed till within these few years hagbush lane which was described by william hone only twenty years ago but which has now vanished was the ancient bridle or pack-horse road from london to the north and extended by the holloway pack-road as far as the city road near old street some parts of hagbush lane says hone are much lower than the meadows on either side at one time a terraced ridge at another a deep rut the pack-horse road must have been to the unaccustomed traveller a somewhat perilous pass the historian of craven speaking of sixteen o nine says at this time the communication between the north of england and the universities was kept up by the carriers who pursued their long but uniform route with trains of pack-horses to their care were consigned packages and not unfrequently the persons of young scholars it was through their medium also that epistolary correspondence was managed and as they always visited london a letter could scarcely be exchanged between yorkshire and oxford in less time than a month 
the general post office was established by act of parliament in the year sixteen sixty and all letters were to be sent through this office except such letters as shall be sent by coaches common known carriers of goods by carts wagons and pack-horses and shall be carried along with their carts wagons and pack-horses respectively there is no such conveyance as a wagon in this country note scotland end note, says roderick random referring to the beginning of the last century and my finances were too weak to support the expense of hiring a horse i determined therefore to set out with the carriers who transport goods from one place to another on horseback and this scheme i accordingly put in execution on the first day of november seventeen thirty nine sitting on a pack-saddle between two baskets one of which contained my goods in a knapsack but by the time we arrived at newcastle-upon-tyne i was so fatigued with the tediousness of the carriage and benumbed with the coldness of the weather that i resolved to travel the rest of my journey on foot rather than proceed in such a disagreeable manner the present mode of travelling compared with that of the pack-horse means of conveyance as pursued of old forms one of the most striking contrasts perhaps in all history hence we see that the peddler was originally both carrier and seller first conveying his pack on his back and then as it increased in bulk transferring it to the back of the pack-horse but as soon as the practice of conveying the commodities to the buyers instead of compelling the buyers to go to the commodities was found to be advantageous to both consumer and producer it was deemed expedient that the two distinct processes of carriage and sale which are included in the distribution of commodities should be conducted by distinct persons and hence the carrying and selling of goods became separate vocations in the state and such is now the machinery by which the commodities of different parts of this country as well as of others are at present diffused over the greater portion of this kingdom in remote districts however and the poorer neighbourhoods of large towns where there are either too few consumers or too few commodities required now to support a fixed distributor with a distinct apparatus of transit the peddler still continues to be the sole means of diffusing the produce of one locality among the inhabitants of another and it is in this light as the poor man's merchant that we must here consider him among the more ancient of the trades then carried on in england is that of the hawker or peddler it is generally considered as i said before that hawking is as ancient a mode of trade as that carried on in fairs and markets towns and villages as well as at the castles of the nobles or the cottages of their retainers to fix the origin of fairs is impossible for in ancient and medieval times every great gathering was necessarily a fair men whom it is no violence to language to call hawkers resorted alike to the olympic games and to the festivals of the early christian saints to sell or barter their wares of our english fairs mr jacob says in his law dictionary various privileges have been annexed to them and numerous facilities afforded to the disposal of property in them to give them a greater degree of solemnity they were originally both in the ancient and modern world associated with religious festivals in most places indeed they are still held on the same day with the wake or feast of the saint to whom the church is dedicated and till the practice was prohibited it was customary in england to hold them in churchyards 
this practice i may add was not fully prohibited until the reign of charles the second although it had long before fallen into disuse thus the connection between church and market is shown to be of venerable antiquity the hawker dealt in the old times more in textile fabrics than in anything else indeed shakespeare has dashed off a catalogue of his wares in the song of autolycus lawn as white as driven snow cypress black as air was crow in the reigns succeeding the termination of the wars of the roses and down to the commonwealth the hawker's pack was often stocked with costly goods for great magnificence in dress was then the custom of the wealthy and even the burgesses on public occasions wore velvet fine cambric ruffs and furs the hawker was thus often a man of substance and frequently travelled on horseback with his wares slung in bags on his horse's side or fitted to the crupper or pommel of his saddle he was often moreover attended by a man both for help in his sails and protection in travelling in process of time an established hawker became the medium of news and of gossip and frequently the bearer of communications from town to town his profits were often great but no little trust seems to have been reposed in him as to the quality and price of his goods and until the present century or so slop goods were little manufactured so that he could not so well practise deceptions neither during the prosperity of the trade does it appear that any great degree of dishonesty characterized the hawker though to this there were of course plenty of minor exceptions as well as one glaring contradiction the wreckers of our southern coasts who sometimes became possessed of rich silks velvets laces and so on note not unfrequently murdering all the mariners cast on shore and there was a convenient superstition among the wreckers that it was unlucky to offer help to a drowning man End note. disposed of much of their plunder to the hawkers and as communication was slow even down to mr palmer's improvements in the post office in seventeen eighty four the goods thus rescued from the deep or obtained by the murder of the mariners were disposed of even before the loss of the vessel was known at her destination for we are told that there was generally a hawker awaiting a wreck on the most dangerous shores of cornwall devon dorset and sussex during the last century and for the first ten years of the present the hawker's was a profitable calling he usually in later times travelled with horse and covered cart visiting fairs markets and private houses more especially in the country in some parts the calling was somewhat hereditary son succeeding to father after having officiated as his assistant and so becoming known to the customers the most successful of the class alike on both sides of the border were scotchmen in eighteen ten the prosperity of this trade experienced a check in that year every hawker peddler or petty chapman going from town to town or to other men's houses and travelling on foot carrying to sell or exposing for sale any goods was required to pay a yearly license of four pounds with an additional four pounds for every horse ass or mule used in the business nothing however in the act in question fiftieth year of george the third chapter forty one as i have before intimated extended to prohibit the hawking for sale of any fish fruit or victuals without license 
neither is there any extension of the prohibition to the unlicensed workers or makers of any goods or wares or their children or servants resident with them hawking such goods and selling them in every city borough town corporate or market town but not in villages or country places tinkers coopers glaziers plumbers and harness menders are likewise permitted to carry about with them the proper materials necessary for their business no license being necessary the passing of this act did not materially check the fraudulent practices of which the hawkers were accused and of which a portion of them were doubtlessly guilty indeed some of the manufacturers whose names were pirated by the hawkers were of the opinion that the licensing for ten or twenty years facilitated fraud as many people both in london and the country thought they were safe in dealing with a licensed hawker since he could not procure a license without a certificate of his good character from the clergyman of his place of residence and from two reputable inhabitants linen of good quality used to be extensively hawked but from eighteen twenty to eighteen twenty five or later in some parts the hawkers got to deal in an inferior quality unions note a mixture of linen and cotton end note glazed and stiffened and set off with gaudy labels bearing sometimes the name of a well-known firm but altered in spelling or otherwise and expressed so as to lead to the belief that such a firm were the manufacturers of the article jews moreover as we have seen travelled in all parts with inferior watches and jewellery and sometimes did well by persuading the possessors of old solid watches or old seals or jewellery that they were ridiculously out of fashion and so inducing them to give money along with the old watch for a watch or other article of the newest fashion which yet was intrinsically valueless compared with the other these and other practices such as selling inferior lace under pretence of it having been smuggled from france and of the choicest quality tended to bring the hawker's trade into disrepute and the disrepute affected the honest men in the business some sank from the possession of a good horse and cart to travelling on foot as of yore forwarding goods from place to place by the common carriers and some relinquished the itinerant trade altogether the cutting and puffing shopkeepers appeared next and at once undersold the slop hawker and foiled him on his own ground of pushing off inferior wares for the best the numbers of the hawkers fell off considerably but notwithstanding i find in the last census tables eighteen forty one the following returns as to the numbers of hawkers hucksters and peddlers distributed throughout great britain the government returns however admit of no comparison being formed between these numbers and those of any previous time england and wales bedford seventy nine barks one hundred and sixty bucks one hundred and twenty nine cambridge one hundred and thirty chester three hundred and sixty two cornwall one hundred and seventy five cumberland two hundred and seventeen derby four hundred and twenty seven devon two hundred and thirty dorset ninety seven durham three hundred and one essex three hundred and thirty nine gloucester four hundred and thirty seven hereford forty four hartford one hundred and thirty seven huntingdon forty five kent two hundred and eighty four lancaster one thousand eight hundred and sixty two 
Leicester 292, Lincoln 435, Middlesex 1597, Monmouth 163, Norfolk 431, Northampton 214, Northumberland 426, Nottingham 267, Oxford 94, Rutland 23, Salop 240, Somerset 201, Southampton 226, Stafford 472, Suffolk 288, Surrey 609, Sussex 238, Warwick 476, Westmoreland 44, Wilts 109, Worcester 247, City of York 63, East Riding of York 200, North Riding 187, West Riding 1039, Total 14,038, Wales, Anglesey 14, Brecon 63, Cardigan 38, Carmarthen 49, Carnarvon 32, Denby 69, Flint 35, Glamorgan 202, Merioneth 25, Montgomery 31, Pembroke 46, Radnor 20, Total 624, Islands in the British Seas 47, Scotland, Aberdeen 105, Argyle 44, Ayr 144, Banff 33, Berwick 41, Butte 17, Caithness 4, Clackmannan 18, Dunbarton 29, Dumfries 72, Edinburgh 401, Elgin or Murray 37, Fife 77, Forfar 108, Haddington 54, Inverness 33, Kincardin 27, Kirkubri 46, Lanark 677, Linlithgow 33, Nairn 2, Orkney and Shetland 10, Peebles 13, Perth 119, Renfrew 107, Ross and Cromarty 11, Roxburgh 96, Selkirk 18, Stirling 95, Sutherland 5, Wigton 36, total 2,561. Thus we find that in 1841 there were of these trades in England 14,038, Wales 624, British Isles 47, Scotland 2,561, total in Great Britain 17,270. The counties in which the hawkers, hucksters and peddlers most abound appear to be first Lancaster, second Middlesex, third Yorkshire, West Riding, fourth Lanark, and fifth Surrey. What rule, if any rule, was observed in classing these hawkers, hucksters and peddlers, or what distinction was drawn between a hawker and a huckster, I am unable to say, but it is certain that the number of licensed hawkers was within one half of the 17,270 for in 1841 the hawker's duty realized only £32,762 gross revenue, and, waiving the amount paid for the employment of horses and so on, the official return, reckoning so many persons paying £4 each, shows only 8,190 licensed hawkers in 1841. The hawker's business has been prosecuted far more extensively in country than in town, but he still continues to deal in London. End of section 65